This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Tienes hombre? You hungry? Queso caliente. Tacos y massage parlor. Queso caliente. Here at Queso Caliente, we serve tacos and whores. Ay, 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 ay. Our cooks are all mothers. Tu madre es cochina. And all our ladies are 100% certified sex slaves. It's not my fault I'm pregnant and I love drugs. Who cares? Fuck the baby, let it die. Queso caliente. Bring the kids. We have donkey shows. <coughs> Rides. Now sex slaves, they can breastfeed young and old. So chew up me, Pito, and give me a carne asada taco. Queso caliente. It's fucking cool, right? Fuck the baby, let it die. <laughs> It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? I am your host, Petter Speich. I am always joined by... Brandon Hahn. Hello. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at your buddy Gooch. Boom. Shalak, shalak, boom. And a very sick... Boom, shalak, lock, boom. Yeah, I'm, I'm very ill, uh, <laughs> as you can tell by my voice. I, di- is, I didn't blow Satan yesterday. Yeah, exactly. It just sounds like it. You can find Jocelyn on Twitter at uh, AIDS. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jocelyn Sharp, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. <laughs> and you can find me at Rise to a Fan Facebook and Twitter. Rise to a Fan Official on Instagram. This week, guys, we are talking to Stefan from Obscura. New record, Deluvium, comes out July 13th. And we did our last week, we did our episode of the best records so far this year. Uh, this one's definitely on that fucking list. It's a phenomenal record. So make sure you guys are pre-ordering this one ASAP. Um, but you think bef- it'll be on the next year, next half? Yes, it will. List? Okay. There's no doubt, bro. There's no doubt. I just wanted to, when we did that list, I wanted to do records that were out already. Mm. No, know? no, no. Yeah, you can't yeah. do records that aren't out. <laughs> I project this future exactly. record will be the best record. <laughs> but that's the thing in the press we already have these records that's early, true so yeah. that's why like a lot of lists did have future records but i thought that was unfair you know, 20 years from now there's going to be a band named pubelice <laughs> and i think they're going to put out a record that's going to change the way we think of things uh, so moving on to some of the metal sucks news this week guys well you know it's been a week we haven't talked about the faceless because <sighs> Um, you know, there was more important things that happened in the news, but, uh, the faceless are back. Yes. They're back on, uh-huh. on our radar here. Just at Metal sucks. Them. They just make me feel so good about my career. Yeah. Right. All right, guys. So we told you the seven week tour, there would be problems. We knew that, you know, there's a couple shows they played without founder Michael Keen a couple weeks back in the news that we didn't cover. We kind of let that story go, but this week guys, you mean a band that is fronted by a heroin addict. Well, we're going to have some problems. We, You're telling me that things hey, don't go off smoothly. Not mm. confirmed that he's a heroin addict. You're telling me that an alleged heroin addict Mm. alleged can't just lead an organization with strength, prosperity and consistency. Mm. I had no, that's, that's strange. Cause you know what? Stalin was on heroin the entire time when he was the whole time. And he led with all those words that Jocelyn said. Yeah. Very weird (laughs) that you went to Stalin. Well, I mean, he went dark, bro. I don't want to, I don't want to say like a nice guy who was on heroin. I didn't want to be like Martin Luther King was on heroin and make the joke. And it was like, Hey, what the fuck? I had to use someone that everyone hated. You get what I'm saying? Well, you still said Martin Luther King is on heroin. No, it's still out there. No, damn it. So don't, don't neutralize. That. Don't don't isolate that clip, guys. Pretty. <laughs> <laughs> well, you isolate boners in the mosh pit. We can't isolate. Yeah, fuck that. you. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's not in the oh, mosh pit. It. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the news. The faceless guys. They're now reportedly performing with a second new drummer. 
and vocalist since April. So they didn't even really tell us who the original new lineup was when the band bounced back in the day. This is a fun game. So now the new vocals, he's, he's not, they haven't even been able to identify this guy yet. So, but he is now the vocalist of the faithless. So <laughs> what, they've never heard of 23 and me or what? Like they can't do the ancestry.com shit. What do you mean? Identify him? Yeah. Get this guy's DNA. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they don't know who he I'm is. Sure or, oh. get, he's from. I'm sure if we did a retina scan, we could find out exactly who this person That's is. That's three months. That's not even three months that they've yeah. gone through two band members. I just like that. They're like, all right, guys, guess that singer. Um, <laughs> hmm. You got to sit there and play guess who. <laughs> At this point, though, do you think this tour is selling better because of the fucking drama or nobody's going? Well, I would I, 100% buy tickets now, wouldn't have before. Yes. 100%. I Because I, I know it's going to be, I, regardless, it's either going to be a good show. I'm going to see somebody fall asleep on stage. Wouldn't you be disappointed if it was a good show at this point? And yeah, it wasn't I would. just a disaster? I yeah. would. Yeah. I would re- if it was like a great show, I'd be happy for them. I'd be like, oh, they got their shit together. But I also would, would be, be like, like oh, really man. bummed out because I'd be like, I missed the hot mess part. I want to see this guy fall down face first on the ground. Yeah, there's nothing oh. we love better than seeing somebody self-destruct like on a real level in public. Oh, got it. That's what I'm saying. Because it, it, it makes you look at yourself when you watch that. And you're like, you know what? I'm not doing too shabby. Right. I mean, all I have to do is every time I feel bad at myself, I'm like, well, at least I'm not 2007 Britney. Like that's, they, it could be worse. Exactly. It could be worse. Shaving your head. At, at this point, though, is this like not kind of like a complete cover band when you don't even know who's on stage? Can you imagine us doing the Metal Sucks podcast every week and Brandon's here? Well, guess and what, it's guys? It's like new people and nobody <laughs> even mentions as what? We didn't. We wanted. We here at Metal Sucks wanted to hold off on this announcement, but we're now the faceless. So <laughs> I'm playing bass. We're taking over. I'm doing the heroin. Okay. <laughs> and, and over on heroin, guys, give it up for a javelin sharp. I'm just sitting on an amp with yeah. a needle. She's like, <laughs> if I learn the songs by the Vegas performance, I might be able to just jump you in. You could probably jump in. I, I bet I can just be like, Michael, I know this. He's I'm, like, I don't have a singer. Okay, I'm your guy. I'm pretty sure there's just a sign-up list now. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, Mike, let me sing. I'll give you a spoon. It's like intramural volleyball at the YMCA. Yeah. <laughs> you just I, sign up. <laughs> it really seems like a kickball team at yeah. this point. Yeah. Exactly. It's a yeah. pickup basketball. Like, who wants to play? And uh, so at this point, like I said, I, I don't really know what else to what else can you expect? Like, obviously, this band signed to a record label. There's people back in this band. Everybody, yada, yada, yada is, is all about it. We don't even know who the members are anymore. We just know it's Michael Keane. He sometimes performs. Sometimes he doesn't show up on stage. Oh, <laughs> so, so fun. <laughs> So See, fun. that's what I would want. That's I would want to buy tickets and have just See, like half the band the not only, show up. The only way I would go to a show like this is if I went with like eight of my friends and we all took prop bets on what was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, an over-under? Exactly. Like I'd a be, death pool? Yeah, I'd look up. Oh, I just threw up on his chest, bro. Where's the money? Cough it up, Jaws. You know? And no announcements. It, it always seems like they announce it after they get caught. Like they try to get away right. with this. Well, nobody will know our singer left that's only been here for three months. Dude, right. at this point. It's like, right. it's like they have like a, they have like a two-armed drummer and then he has one arm, and they're like, same guy, yeah, same guy. Yeah, You're like, cool. no. Everything's cool. You know what it is? Okay, this reminds me, what they need to do is they need to go on stage wearing masks. That way, no one would know if anything, <laughs> you know what I mean? The ghosts. Yeah, yeah exactly. They should do, like, the cover of In Becoming a Ghost, like, where they have, the, like, the ghost yeah. head. Yeah, they should totally do that. Well, yeah, just Nobody our, would know. Yeah, exactly. Just put, put some kind of ninja mask on your fucking face. Well, don't you think at this point it's to the point where you're like, I don't even know if that guy's in the band or not. Like where he, right. it's just like so rotating that that's what I'm anyone at. could show up and you'd be like, yeah, that's the band. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't think the masks even need to happen. They've done a good job of just making us get used to the ever 
Ooh, changing, a, morphing shapes. That's what I'm band. getting at. They're like, oh, that's a cool mask. Wait a minute. That guy's arms are brown. Wait, I do not. <laughs> I'm not falling for it this time, faceless. And honestly, it makes sense for you to wear a mask. You're faceless. Right. So go out there and be faceless. <laughs> don't, give them, don't give them ideas to get away with heroin. Don't yeah, don't, right? Yeah. This mask is such a good idea, Because then they'll just put masks on other people, and then everyone will just go do heroin. And <laughs> then they'll just get a stand-in. It'll be like a stunt double. <laughs> and I'm 99% sure that they don't listen to this podcast, because I, I feel like we've been blasting them for like a good year strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. on purpose. Yeah, Their music's have, great, but, yeah. you know. Well, I'm sh- I'm no. sh- well, that's the thing, though. We Right before we blast them, we always go, their music's great, but Jesus Christ, get it together. But their music's great. Right, so they're just kind of like, so at this point, they're like, well, at least they respect the art, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Well, and we really are coming from a place of like, we want you to get your shit together. Well, I, Jocelyn, I would like, love to not talk about the faceless Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jocelyn, you and I are comics. If someone was like, Jocelyn's a real cunt, but my God, she's great on stage. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care. I'm like, I'll take the great on stage part. That's all that matters. Yeah. That's all that matters. That's all I care about. Dude, one time I caught Gooch getting high on heroin. He tried to blow himself, but motherfucker, he had this joke about midgets. I mean, dude, it's like, yeah. that's all that matters. Yeah, that's all that matters when you're a performer. All you want is for people to enjoy your art. So right now, again, so in a way, we are, uh, you know, contributing to the problem by telling them, no, nah, man, your art's still great, bro. You right, know, right. Uh, <laughs> you might want to tighten it up. Are bit. we enablers now? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we are. We're, we're, by, by saying not, by saying positive things about their art, we yeah. are enabling the faceless. Well, you suck. Yeah. Faceless. Yeah. No, I can't say that. Exactly. I don't mean They're it. Good. I don't mean it. They're I don't good. mean it in my heart. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you call that boiling heroin, you dumbass? You know, it's just... <laughs> you allegedly bo- you boiling. You don't boil heroin. <laughs> you do it in a spoon. You put it in a spoon, you boil yeah, I know. It's not mac and cheese. Yeah, <laughs> Gooch is on the stovetop. I'm just like with a yeah, wooden spoon and heroin. <laughs> just like yeah, this right. is how you do heroin, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, it reminds me of being uh, a kid. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly boiling heroin. Now moving on, guys. Let's let's hope they get their shit together. And the next story is very positive. Fingers crossed. Before before <laughs> the chances of them having another member change in this tour. Oh well, they've had two in three months, so statistically, it's I'm not good. Say, I'm going to say 100. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you on that. That's what they're best at. So moving on, guys, to the next story that we wanted to talk about. As many of you guys know, we lost Vinnie Paul um, a little while ago. Here, his funeral just occurred, but this week we did get um, responses from Rex Brown, a very, very poignant, very good response that he put out there, and then Phil Anselmo also. Very short but sweet response. So two different approaches to it. Now, we all know in the metal community, and I think a lot of fans know, that Vinny was not on terms, good terms with either one of these guys, was not on talking terms with Phil for probably a decade now. And then with Rex, obviously, they weren't on talking terms as well. How do you guys feel they their approach was to commemorating their friend at this point? And does that bad blood even play anymore? I don't think it does because, no. okay, I... I have a friend of mine. He's one of my best friends. He he was one, b- best friends with Vinnie Paul. He was like, whenever Vinnie was in Vegas, someone, they would always hang out. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about how Vinnie looked back on Pantera. And he's like, no matter what happened, no matter, no matter what kind of history, he goes, when we started, he goes, it was magic. It was magic. They, those guys created something that will honestly that, that will live forever i mean yeah. it's still good you know it's still good it's not like one of those things where it's like oh you listen to them oh man i feel like i'm you know the, the, these songs are still pointing these songs are still pointing out things that are happening today yeah and um you know but again though i mean it's like but when you have those moments of magic when you have, you know those ma- those majestic moments uh you do remember you always do have a, a special place in your heart for the people that made that happen. Yeah. And I'm sure if 
if that psycho didn't take out Dime, mm. I'm sure if that psycho didn't take out Dime, and, and if Phil would have gotten his shit together a long time ago. He did around 2007 after Dime. You know, I remember when Down well, that, put out Down 3, he but, was really. But that's he, what I'm he saying. He did it for a while. But my thing is, though, is at, that was after Dime. After so Dime, it was yeah. like, so that was probably one of those sobering moments yeah. right there. And, uh, you know, if, if that would have happened before Dime passed, I definitely think they would have been able to set aside their differences. All right, look, we were young, we were stupid, we were arrogant. Let's not let that happen again. And they might have put out another album, I'm assuming. Now, granted, Phil royally fucked that band over. Royally fucked that band over. And Rex was just, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, Rex. Like, when I think of Pantera, it's Phil Diamond and Vinny. I mean, it's like they're, they're the most important. They were, they were the most iconic parts of that band. Uh, you're saying Rex is irreplaceable, right? Yes. But I, I, I disagree with you uh, because I don't know. He, 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 he really was a part of that stage presence. I don't know. Like for me, in my mind, if they replaced any of those four guys, it would be hard for me to like swallow. You know. Now I know what you're saying, though. Like the other guys are more irreplaceable, but you, that can be said about a lot of bass players. Unfortunately, you're, you're totally you know? right. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on uh, on, on bass players, but are you? The point yeah, is, exactly. is that if <laughs> if the roles were reversed in whatever kind of faction. I think we all can say from from you know just knowing Vinny and stuff like that. If Phil were to pass, Vinny would have said something very sweet. I mean, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Same with Rex. There was anything a, like that. So there was a point in yeah. their life. I think that death trumps pettiness. I think that yes, it yes. always will. It always will. I it think will. if you're a good person at all, no matter what that person did to you, if you ever had love in your heart for them, when they pass, that you're gonna hurt. It's gonna exactly. hurt. And all is forgiven. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, and that's and that's based. And the thing is, though, is if you are the type of person that holds on to that hate. It's there, it, there's really no point to it. There's really no, no point to it. You're just hurting yourself at this yeah. point, you know. And it was good to see Phil. It was granted it was short and sweet. And at this point, I mean, it's like if he would have written something out long, it would have seemed phony. Right. Phil and Selmo's words were very short and sweet on the video. You know, he just said, "I got nothing but love for you in my heart, but, brother." And then he's he's been on stage, you know, giving him some some props on stage. I think when he's touring with Scour right now, so he he's definitely saying as little as possible because probably because of the history, everybody knows that you know it's probably you know Vinny didn't let him at Dimebag's funeral. Vinny Vinny did not talk to him for a long time, right? So it, he probably knows it's just best to be a little shorter about it. Mm. Where Rex and Vinny, I think their issue was Rex put out that book. If you guys haven't read yeah. it, and he really. He, he just had a lot of unkind words to kind of say to Vinny's personality. But then when you flip on and you read what he said here about the early days of them in this whole thing, you guys definitely, if you haven't read it, go to metalsucks.net and check it out. It, it just shows that he... Well, because when you look back, yeah. this is the one thing, when you look back on things, especially as an older man, I mean, how old is Rex? Like 50-something years old? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I mean, and you reflect on how you were when you were in your 20s and... And then all of a sudden, you just see these major moments that would not have happened without this core group of people. It had to be Rex. It had to be Dime. It had to be Vinny. It had to be Phil. It had to be those guys. If it was anybody else in that, in that core, it wouldn't have worked. Right. It would not have worked. It had to be those four guys that pushed each other and that brought that magic yeah. And, and made that magic happen. I think, and when you look back on that, though, as an old, when you look back on that as an older man, all of a sudden, you know, yeah, so Vinny did this, so so Phil did this, but there was that moment when all of a sudden you were just, were, your whole being was hope. 
You had hope and yeah. it was coming true. And I imagine that this, because they're not that far in age, I imagine that this was a taste of mortality for them as Absolutely. well. And there's this thing, I think that when you when you have a grudge or, or a fight with someone, you have this expectation that a lot of people do. We all do it. We get mad and we, we won't budge. We want the other person to come to us. We want the other person to acquiesce. We want all these things to happen. And when that possibility is taken out by death, you kind of get real perspective on the situation right. and you really realize how insignificant it was in the grand scheme of your relationship with that person. And especially too, because you look back on it and you also think I should have been the bigger person. Yeah. You know, there's, I there, totally there's, can imagine there's that. plenty of that going on too. And, and the thing is always with Rex, it's like, you could kind of tell like with some of the passages in that book, the main reason he was probably so upset with Vinny is because of all the money that we're missing out on. You know, they, I'm sure they wanted to, to do Pantera again. But, there has to but, be some resentment but there for was that. Like, but Vinny was like, nope, sorry, you know? Yeah, Vinny was, I mean, we can break it down. He was the only one that, well, I don't want to say that because I think Phil did too, but um, Rex was the least, his career didn't move forward. Right. Like, hell yeah, it was a move forward for Vinny. It wasn't Pantera level, but he, it was a very good yeah. career. Right. Down, super joint. Those all those bands records, for yeah. Phil's were really, really good until he did his stupid Zig Heil, and now, now his career kind of took a shit. It's coming back a little bit, you know, right. but he deserved whatever backlash he got for what, that, what happened there, unfortunately. But you're right, with Down, with Super Joint, with those other records, he had a second kind of career where mm-hmm. he didn't need Pantera as much. And but Rex, I, on the other hand, had to put out that and book. And I think with yeah, Rex, too, Right. And when he wrote all those, when he wrote the, the nice letter after Vinny's passing, uh, I just think there was a lot of introspection that happened there. And, uh, you know, and he yeah. just, and he just looked at, he just probably looked at it and he's, there was probably a lot of regrets. Maybe I, a couple of times he wished he would have called. How much do you feel like that, that, that was the moment he realized Pantera was over forever? Oh, for sure. Do you oh, think, do you think yeah. so? Like there's, you guys really think that, that Phil or Rex would continue on in any kind of fashion. I I won't discount that it's not going to happen. I'm not going to say that because stranger things have happened. But what I will say is that I think that there is something to be said for I don't know. It's like there's these people that are like tiki totems in their bands that that they need to be around even if they're not in the band for it to feel legitimate. If Phil and Rex got back together. There's no way they could call themselves Pantera. It would, I can understand them calling themselves a name that would allude to the name Pantera, but they can't call themselves Pantera. No. Like, let's just say they bring in a... And the thing is, always it would have to be guest players. You'd have to have like a guest drummer. Yes. It would have to be like a guest drummer. Like Dave Lombardo sits in and then, you know, as a guitar player and they've actually talked about this, Zach Wild or, you know what I mean? Or, yeah, you would have to Pepper. do that or else you'd be looking at that person the whole time thinking you're not him. Like, it's, right. you're not him. And, and no matter what, they will do that. They will do that. But again, how many people want to hear Phil sing fucking hostile? How many people want to hear Phil sing walk? I mean, they still want that. I still want that. And and I, you know, I know there's probably a generation of people that would like that. I was totally anti anything Pantera without dime. So without Vinny now, I'm I'm so anti it. But I guess if there was some sort of like tribute concert and you had, you know, some guys step in and play some of these songs and all that stuff, you know, to, for their legacy, like a one-off thing, like kind of how Zeppelin did and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not going to be totally opposed to that, but honestly, I hope the legacy stops now. Oh no, it needs and to it, stop. And it, and it just Again, goes uh, forward. Cause I'll tell you right now, whatever, whatever the case may be, Phil has the right mind of moving forward, staying in the underground and, and appealing to those fans and making music that he loves. Right. 
Rex, on the other hand, his solo record, you know, it was cool. Every, people liked it. So he, he's still moving forward. But I, I, I just don't think. I think the best way yeah. to pay homage to legends like Diamond and Veneers, pioneers, you know, is to go on and pioneer something else. Mm-hmm. You know, don't try to remake the magic that's already there. Let's close that chapter and let that magic be trapped there and, and forever be pristine in what it is. Well, that's the difference between a singer and an artist. You know, yeah. like if you're a singer, then all right, here, sing these songs. Shut up. You know, yeah. shut up unless you're singing these songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if you're an artist, you want to go out there and you want to keep on creating, and Phil's doing that. Yes. So, on that note, guys, this July, progressive metal band Redemption will release their seventh full length, Long Night's Journey Into Day, via Metal Blade Records. With guest musicians Chris Polland and Simone Moloroni, this is the first album since the departure of vocalist Ray Adler and feature the debut of Evergrade vocalist Tom England. Pre-order Long Night's Journey in today now at metalblade.com slash redemption. Once again, guys, metalblade.com slash redemption. And with that, guys, let's jump into our interview with Stefan from Obscura. Everybody, what's going on? It's Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Stefan from Obscura. We're talking about the new record, Deluvium, which is out July 13th out here on Relapse records um this marks the end of the four album concept that you started in 2009 with cosmogenesis correct that's absolutely correct yeah. and it just took 10 years to finish it so why do you feel that the concept needed four parts opposed to like the traditional trilogy that people usually go for uh that actually has a couple of different reasons first of all um it is more or less related to the four elements. It's also related there's always an opposite part to each record. And also Led Zeppelin with their records 1, 2, 3, 4. And as the final piece, we signed a record deal about four records back at that time. And somehow we wanted to see how to connect everything and uh, work out something that's related to each other. So, well, there, there have been so many influences for that, but... Uh, all of those little puzzles and pieces have been merged into this, this four-album cycle. And at the beginning, it was more or less clear what we wanted to do, like four records and basic topics have been there, but the way wasn't that clear. So the, the beginning and the end was clear, but everything in between pff, was not clear. And we also didn't expect to take like 10 years for the whole thing. But hey, here we are. A couple of the songs are linked to, pre- to previous albums on the new record, correct? Yes, that's correct. Um, musically, but also in terms of lyrics. And to make the whole thing uh, more interesting, also the, the visuals are linked to the other albums. Song-wise speaking, there's a song called Emergent Evolution, second song on Deluvium, which is a direct link to the song Incarnated from Cosmogenesis. There's the song uh, The Conjuration, which is a link to Velocity from Omnivium. And just to have another example, uh, the song Convergence is a song uh, linked to Desolate Spheres from uh, the Cosmogenesis record. And lyrical-wise, it's very, very bound uh, to be basically the, the final part that's picking up all the, the pieces and stories from Akrasis. So it's basically more or less fluent. When you have such a, 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 a vision... When like let's go back to Cosmogenesis. When you have a, such a, a strong vision for like a four album cycle and and a, a concept, how many times does does that change? Because you're changing with each record as a human being and your philosophies on life and all those things with more knowledge. Has that been a factor with the writing process, or has it been pretty much the same from when you started this whole this whole cycle? Very good question. 
and I have to answer with yes and no at the same time. Um, as I mentioned before, it was very clear that we wanted to do four records and that it's going to be a circle to start somewhere with the origin and end into the ultimate uh, apocalypse because it's a metal cycle. Um, everything in between was still more or less free to do what we want. And uh, like musical wise, also in terms of, of lyrics, there was like a, a rough um, a rough idea where to go, but uh, it doesn't mean that you have to be very strict. So it was not clear when we started to write Cosmogenesis how Diluvium will sound in the end. We had the idea um, that uh, that Omnivium will sound more dark than Cosmogenesis when we started to write for that record. And we had the idea that Akras is going to be a more laid back record. But this is the only draft we had musical wise. We wanted during that process also uh, to get a little bit more diverse, uh, like fading a little bit away from, let's call it a tech dev cliche and get a little bit more, well, let's call it progressive and a little bit more interesting, more diverse, which we finally made uh, with the album Deluvium, which then was pretty clear, should be a pretty much direct and also again, dark record to sum up the, the long cycle. So. There was enough freedom for each record to bring in, of course, all the, the influences from each band member that has been in, the, uh, in the, the writing process or recording process involved, as well as all the ideas we had on the way there. As you mentioned, we changed as persons, as, well, characters sometimes, as well as uh, instrumentalists. And you mentioned the knowledge just listen to Cosmogenesis and now to Diluvium, where's the difference in, in drum sound and, and mixing overall. This is all a whole evolution and a big process that took uh, like 15, 16 years when we started with the whole band. So I, I would be surprised if somebody says, well, each record of the band sounds like the same, which is not true. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's growth. That makes it genuine. I, I love that about it. And, there, and you did talk about, you, you put out a, a YouTube series for the making of the new record. The first thing you did talk about was the production. And one thing I found very interesting in that YouTube video was that you said that the guitars were recorded and it gave it almost a 3D sound, which um, wasn't apparent on the last three records is that true we try to get a little bit more into into that but it's a certain mixing technique where you place all the instruments not only left and right like balance left balance right but also in depth so for example you can place a drum set with a certain delay line or reverb um like pre-reverb uh front and back it's a certain psychoacoustic idea and uh, uh process you use sometimes in, in rock productions but it's extremely nerdy and this is also a, a part where we evolved into more and more and more when we started with cosmogenesis um i i started to to study media technology and well had a little bit knowledge about like a diy uh, recording but now with deluvium it's it's a way different topic everybody Speaking about the band is uh, talking about uh, the musicianship, how extremely hard to play is this or that piece. This is fine. These are the strengths from uh, the other members, I would say. I'm a piece of the band, but my strength in the band is the production side. And I'm the total production nerd. And when it comes to physics or um, electric, uh, electric acoustics or acoustics at all, 
that's that's my field and this is definitely evolving and we didn't reach the end at all for example for diluvium we we didn't go to uh, an external studio as we did with Acrasis to work in a in a big big hall or a room to record which was fine on across which was definitely a, a big step ahead but on diluvium we started to uh, redo a whole room we have as a rehearsal room uh, within the physics so we started to, to really measure acoustics and started uh, basically EQing the whole uh, the whole rough hall we had so that the whole room was was pre-EQed uh, with uh, taking off a couple of frequencies uh, taking it in while you're just playing so that means all the natural sounds are uh, then being recorded uh, is already on a high-end level and this this is the nerd thing and the, the real engineering where I'm into and I'm, I'm trying to push demand with every album more and more and more and more. And when we're starting about microphones or preamps, we, we definitely spend a fortune. So this album was almost the double amount of budget uh, we, we had to pay for instead of uh, Acrasis. So this was hilariously insane and I really help people hear a little bit here and then and that's uh, I guess the easiest to explain with the 3D sound. That's when you hear even, even a little piece or a little glimpse about a, uh, a splash. That's what I mentioned in that making of. And at the same time, you have a crystal clear sound of the overall drums. I'm mainly speaking about drums since this is the most uh, difficult piece of an instrument to record within the, the death metal scene. Even an orchestra would be more easy. But drums are extremely difficult and if you want to have a high-end sound where not everything is edited, edited to the max or just replaced by by i don't know superior drama samples then you really have to learn <laughs> and sit down and uh, well find out by try and error and read a lot of books to get to that level that's that's excellent so and when you were saying superior drum you know the the software that they were talking about um are you pro that or are you very very much rather try to capture the difficulty of a human drummer. I, I see the pros and cons for, for both. I mean, Superior Drama is a perfect tool to write down music with a, well, a couple of presets, a couple of sounds. And it's definitely cool for demos and having ideas very fast done, but I wouldn't use it at all for any records. As a technique, like as a, as a drum replacement uh, tool, and uh, a plugin, this might help if you have some problematic recordings. But if you do it right from the first place, you don't need that. So I, I understand if uh, people record their albums at home and they don't have any, any other option. This is definitely a good solution. But from my point, I wouldn't use it. I'd rather have a human drummer who can play and groove. I don't want to cut off the groove if you put everything to the grid. Like you, you simply cut off all the um, identity of uh, a drummer. Each drummer has a certain groove or certain fills, and if you just edit it to the max, or uh, what's the term I heard some some years ago, we produce the shit out of it. <laughs> 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 then, uh, well, uh, it's simply cutting all the identity and soul, 
And I'd rather have a real drummer who's grooving. And that's a irreplaceable. That's what I like to hear, man. I completely agree with that. So, and you, and yeah, I mean, you studied musical theory, so you're very well versed in that. So, um, but when you do study something like that, what is the most, what's, what's most important from, from your experience in finding an original voice and style with an instrument? Well, I have to admit, I didn't study music theory. Oh, I'm sorry. I studied, I, no, it's fine. It's fine. Some, some people, uh, think that. I have been at a boarding school when I was a, a small kid with 10, 11, 12 years. And um, it was like for musical gifted people. I had to apply there and did a couple of tests uh, if my ears are working and, uh, well, if there's some certain kind of talent. And the funny story is the teacher for that was the brother of the Pope. <laughs> 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 and... Uh, well, I was 12 years and I got fired from the school. But what I kept is uh, playing piano, playing, um, uh, well, working in a choir, singing and have uh, a year worked. This is where I, I still keep all of my intuition from. But at a later point, while all my friends turned out to, I don't know, work for car companies or anything, I played guitar and I then started, started to study media technology with the main field audio and video production. And this was like 11 years ago. And I was into like this real psychoacoustics, again, electric acoustics and uh, signal, signal chains, uh, all from an engineer side, but being a musician. So I have a complete different perspective to all of that. For example, I have been with uh, the engineers from Neumann and diesel amps at um, uh, certain courses about uh waveforms uh, for tube amplifiers for a couple of days and all all this material and i have been teaching that at the university for a couple of years so i have a complete different point of view to to certain topics i'm not too much interested in the music theory because i have a different see i i for my ex, uh, for my point of view 12 tone music doesn't make any sense it's fine it's common you're used to it but from an engineer side, it doesn't make sense. That that story though is gonna—it's a completely different story, and I think every musician kind of has one. And then by not adapting to so many things, like you said, and, and just playing with your ears to what you find, I guess, uh, appealing to yourself, that gives you an original voice. And that's something that's hard for a lot of, I think, early musicians because they're so used to mimic. Did you ever have that issue where you were learning how to play other songs? and trying to break out of that as a guitar player? Actually, I only played Obscura songs and uh, songs of Tolkandra, my own band. Yeah. And, well, Death to All with the whole setup I learned. These are basically the only songs I learned in my entire life, nice. which is sad at one time because I'm a pretty limited guitarist. But at what I'm doing, it's, well, I would say I, I deliver what uh, I can I can play in, in my and now, in the songwriting process, uh, you did state in the songwriting process that uh, a very strong chorus is very important. Um, is that the hardest part to find in a song for you? Mm, actually not. Actually, it's more hard to find the, the storyteller piece of a song. A song somehow has to tell a story, and if you're a bad storyteller, nobody will understand you or get bored pretty soon. So it doesn't matter if we have uh, a very... Ex extremely progressive or complex fast song somehow you have to give uh, the listener a chance to follow everything and from my perspective a chorus makes this more or less a door opener for 
an audience that's maybe not used to play guitar 10 hours a day and or any other instrument that's on obscure records or just the scene overall if you somehow give uh, the audience or doesn't matter if, if it's live or on a on a cd or uh, just listening to a track somehow if you are able to follow the song it makes sense to have a chorus as more or less an anchor to pe uh, for the people to understand what you're saying and on the surface they will first get the chorus and below it can be i don't know the most uh, complex thing in the world but people will still get something out of it and that's why i mentioned uh, a chorus is very important nice now to segue uh into something that you do have some knowledge about and if i'm wrong please correct me you you do have a lot of knowledge about the famous German philosophers. Which philosophy do you feel best represents you at this point in your life? Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Um, have you read uh, Ernst Hemingway? I have. Old Man? Yes. Old Man in the Sea? Yes. Uh, exactly the old fisherman who was going out to fish and is coming home with nothing and he's still going on and going on and going on and going on for weeks and months. And when he catches a big fish, he comes home and uh, everything was eaten by everybody else. But he still knows for himself that he got it. That fits pretty well, I would say. Nice. Okay. I like that. So, I mean, I feel like, but, you know, I have the philosophy that life is movement. You keep moving and then you keep living, right? So it seems like a lot of things are a thankless job, right? And people uh, come to expect it from you uh it's it's more a personal point of view i mm. wouldn't mind if people like or don't like what we are doing or what i do in particular an expression to be well honest to yourself and it doesn't matter if you're successful or not you're still doing it because you think it's the correct thing the second part of that question what philosophy growing up did you feel was the strongest one to relate to and you completely don't relate to anymore. Well, when I started to read um, all of this early 19th century philosophy like Schelling and Goethe, it was very interesting to read their perspectives on, well, solutions for physics. We have a very different point of view or knowledge about uh, 100 or 150 years later. For example, the song Weltseele was uh, on, on the last record, uh, Crosses was a big piece about uh, Schelling's work, who back then tried to explain more or less his feelings and what he gets, what electricity or, or electric transformation somewhere in between soul and, and body might might be or could happen. So this is more, well, an esoteric point of view, I would say. And this is something I do not agree at all. There were an, a couple of other examples, but still, if you don't agree with a certain opinion one of those writers or first has, you, you could still get out a couple of pieces of his writing that's somehow giving you a, a certain value or even stronger your, your own opinion about having a different opinion. So I try to see the positive in all things. And even if I don't like something, I try to finish it and reflect it. I guess that's the point. That's a, that's a good example. I try to reflect it. Even if I don't like a book I, I read, and have a complete different opinion. I try to see what it gives me or how it uh, reflects my own opinion I had before. 
Yeah, that's that's a great philosophy, though, I think, on, on just life. Because if you start something, you, you finish it, in essence, whatever someone's trying to tell you. And then it doesn't all relate to us. That's a, that's a, a beautiful thing, though, that we all have different experiences. But you can still get something from that. I think that's an issue with, I think, a lot of people these days, is that th- if you don't agree with them, it's just immediately a fight or like kind of an insult or a name-calling type of thing. Do you agree with that in modern society? Yeah, sometimes, especially within uh, these days, social media and whatever people don't agree with you are your enemies and other vice versa. It's weird and I don't care too much. Yeah, it's it's it is it's an extremely strange, I guess, place or philosophy to have to be right, especially about things you don't know. Especially about subjective things. That's what I think is so interesting. Like, yeah, you know, especially when uh, when you see like two people fighting about whatever, completely nonsense, mm-hmm. and they don't know each other. But one tries to convince the other one that he's right, and this turns into like I don't know a Facebook war or a YouTube war, or whatever for for months. <laughs> this is hilarious. I don't know why people take so much time for this crap. Yeah, man, I completely agree. I completely agree. And it's like if you ever stand on the outside looking in, like we're talking about on these fights, everybody's got a good point to say. But why are we so invested in convincing people to think like us? The individual used to be such an important thing. And now conformity seems to be necessary for people to get along. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a weird, it's a weird thought. Like, I, I don't want everybody to be like me. I would never learn anything. I'm wrong every day, you know? <laughs> so, like, so, okay. Teach me something. Yeah, I say, I, I, I stand by it. I'm recorded so much doing this podcast. I listen back. I'm like, oh, I was dead wrong there. Yeah. So that's part of life though, right? I mean, to learn and be wrong and, and be corrected. And, um, and I love that about just like the, the philosophy aspect of things that mattered at a certain time don't anymore. But I, I do feel like that solipsist viewpoint, you know, of the world that is in your head is the only real world. It might be almost relatable today to to most people. I think most people live in their own bubble these mm-hmm. days, and they don't don't see a, a society part anymore. And just living their own life, um, getting more or less well advanced within their own their own life, which means uh, you're. These days you're going online and everything is more or less made that you see and hear what you like and everything else is getting blocked. And this, well, it turns out to tell you that you are as a, as a person, as using uh, all of those social media outlets all the time, being right every time. And this makes people pretty much ignorant and uh, selfish mm-hmm. in the end. And this is... Uh, very interesting piece since um, I'm I just turned 33 mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, when we started to make music there was no social media there was no internet in the beginning and uh, you simply had to talk to people and these days it's not possible to simply call someone without uh, feeling you you insult something because you you uh, crank up his his private shell or something and it's uh, it's a weird society we are living in these days and I'm, I'm not sure where it's going to relating to since you're just full of yourself when you go online these days just try to to find any article in, in amazon or try to 
even even Spotify or Amazon Alexa, they try to tell you or show you what you like. It went through a couple of algorithms that might estimate pretty well what you like and what you don't like. And in the end, you never discover anything else. You're just in your own bubble. And this makes people a little, I don't know what's the right term in English, but it's a strange feeling. It, it is. And I think that people in relationships and people, because they have a selfish mindset and, and only what they like kind of uh, matters, I think that they learn to try to control other people like in relationships now instead of uh, embracing the differences and coming together. I think they, they just try to keep that selfish mentality as a philosophy and it does affect everything. But I, again, I, I don't blame people because like you just said with that Amazon stuff that just shows up. Yeah, I did look at that yesterday. How do you guys know? Like in my, in my news feed, um, that algorithm, it, it does make you feel like your world is the only world. You know, it can trick you to think that, no, what I think is the only thing that matters. It, 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 it takes a lot of time to break away from all this media. I don't want to say even media. I want to say advertising, you know, that kind of, consumes our lives in so many ways and the craziest part is that like amazon they get it right for me all the time oh yeah i was looking at that oh i do want that oh you guys you know like <laughs> and it's uh that's the part that's the scary part is that you can live selfishly in this society and completely function you know um and never grow as a human being and then pass that lesson on but when human contact is less than computer contact you're basically getting consumed by companies in the end yes. and since it's getting less and less companies well it's difficult to well have something in balance in your life since as you mentioned you're you only get told that your own perspective own view own opinion is the right one somehow and uh, i mean there there have been so many so many um misleads using all of those outlets just talking i don't want to talk about politics but uh, if you use this technique and and uh, the files the data about each person that's definitely online and it's it's unbelievable what you could do with it if you know how to do it and many people know how to to use technique these days and i just have a small example um the, the thing is nothing is going to be forgotten everything still stays somewhere when the internet started in or at least when we had internet in somewhere in the 90s um i put for fun uh, uh certain files of myself into i don't know one of those forums at the at the time and when you google my name you still find all of those wrong informations about my age about my address about where i went to school and everything and this is scary that was 20 years ago that's crazy. So it just it takes whatever it goes. It's that zero effect theory that I've heard about. But and what else is crazy to me is that we're in our thirties, like you just mentioned. But old man in the sea really does represent our philosophy, and we're young, you know. Um, but we feel old. I think because of all the changes that kind of, or that the older philosophy makes more sense to us because of all the changes that we've gone through. I think in our generation. You know, with the internet and all those things. So you put the information out there incorrectly, you said, right? Yeah, oh, just for fun. Just for fun, yeah. And that's another thing that I never took the internet serious either. I, I remember like when MySpace happened, it was like I would just, there would be fake profile. I wouldn't care and have fun. But it's like in hindsight, you're like, oh, now this mattered so much more because it felt like 
It wasn't. It never felt like it would feel like real life. Yeah, and yeah. now this turns into real life. Completely. I guess this this points out the whole thing. Everything you uh, thought like ten years ago when internet was basically a complete anarchy where you thought you could do whatever what you want. These days, it's a complete opposite. Every click you're doing, every second you 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 watch a, a picture or an article is getting noted somewhere. It's a hard topic, and I guess we could talk about another two or three hours. About yeah, it. there's no doubt. But that's a great point you just made. We'll move on from it. Is that it used to be like anarchy? It really did, and now it virtually is like checks and balances. It's like a checkbook. But yeah, it used to be like run amok. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's completely true. So um, back to the record. Now uh, the title of the record. It's a geology term. So uh, how do you relate this term to the philosophy of the entire new album? Uh, so we're back at philosophy at the same time. We did. We kind of <laughs> did. Yeah, we we went to geology philosophy in a way. But yes, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> For the album title, there are a couple of different reasons why I choose this one. Yes, you're right. It's from uh, geology. At the same time, uh, a religious term for being the big flood. Remember the story from uh, Catholic uh, Christianity about the ark. Um, so when everything is flooded, uh, it's basically a big apocalypse and a new beginning at the same time. As well as this name is related to the other album, the opposite album, Omnivium. All of those four records are related to each other. Omnivium to Diluvium, Cosmogenesis to Acrasis. So there's a, there's a pattern, so to say. But the main reason why I found this title is fitting that, uh, again, I read a couple of books, and in one of them, before before I started to write the lyrics for Akras, I found a term or a, a theory how this universe existence, whatever you may call it, may end. There are a couple of different theories, for example, that the universe is expanding or imploding, and one of those theories I thought is very interesting and also visual capable, so to say, is that all matter is somewhere turning or dissolving into the big wave of nothingness. And there you're back at a, well, water-like look, which is related to the big floods, geology, and as well as the album Omnivium, where everything is about the evolution, which turns out into, well, it comes from the sea, so from the water, so to say, visually speaking. That's cool, man. So uh, last question before I let you go. Now, you did tease the final chapter earlier in the year, and we just talked about the internet always getting things wrong. A lot of people felt that you guys were breaking up due to a couple hashtags used. How, 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 was, that, how was that experience and that learning point? Well, that was actually just a fun thing for us. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> It it was not really thought out. We uh, just put on final album and people got crazy. But uh, we also wanted to underline with that being said uh, that we have done four records that are related to each other. And this is the, the ultimate end of all ends, the, the apocalyptic album. And, well, of course, it's the final album of a four-album concept. But what comes after an ending is a new beginning. So we definitely do not break up their many ideas we have a very good vibe within the band at the moment everybody is extremely happy how the album turned out and we just booked a couple of tours also in the united states and uh it can't be better at the moment it's just positive everything is cool 
Yeah, that, I remember I was sad for like 24 hours and then it got corrected. I was like, oh, man, because you never know. <laughs> you never know. But the news story was out there and I was like, oh, the end. Um, but yeah, dude. So anyways, Stefan, man, I want to thank you so much, dude, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. It's a great chat. I, I love I love all four of the records. I hope everybody goes out and gets them from the start all the way until here. Deluvium, once again, is coming out July 13th, guys. Make sure you pre-order. I know the signed copies are sold out already, but um, that's just, I love seeing sold out across the website when you guys uh, do those special things. Um, And like you said, you'll be touring. Uh, You got two tours booked. One will be in the States. Uh, Once again, guys, Deluvium, make sure you pre-order it right now. Relapse Records, it comes out July 13th. And with that, Stefan, man, thank you so much for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Thank you very much.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
Doesn't matter if it's punk, metal, or rock. Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest. Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting the artists. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. And for special discounts, use the promo code PCJabberJaw. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go, www.rockabilia.com. All right, guys. First song you heard is uh, Obscura's new record. The song is called Ethereal Skies. Second song, title track, Deluvium. Once again, Deluvium is out this Friday, guys, the 13th. Make sure you pre-order it. I'm telling you, phenomenal phenomenal record so and with that guys want to thank you guys once again for all these five-star reviews we keep seeing on the itunes awesome 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 it just makes us all smile like assholes and thanks for the follows and all the follows yeah i keep seeing you guys pop up in my twitter and my instagram and it's so nice to see you out there yeah no it's really cool smiling like assholes (laughs) how do you smile like an asshole yeah assholes aren't known for their sunny disposition okay first of all I thought I, I was thinking of an actual asshole, like a physical oh, asshole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, are you talking about like puckering your lips? Yeah. <laughs> so thank you guys for the follows and the five-star reviews. We appreciate every one of you guys every week you listen. It's, it's, it's a huge deal to us. So thank you again. And until next week, guys, a Metal Sucks Podcast over and out. We're going to be grinning like vaginas. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing <laughs> off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.